Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with me today again. And I hope the last two days were inspiring for you. They were certainly inspiring for me. It was really wonderful to talk all about this idea that with God, all things are possible. Nothing, nothing is impossible for God. And as we talked yesterday about this horizontal vertical issue, I was so excited when I talked to my producer, Jeremy, after the show because he gave me a great visual. And I've told so many people about this visual that he gave me, and that was the cross that we do. We have this vertical, and then we have this cross beam. And so we want to do vertical with God and horizontal with humans. And the picture of the cross doing the horizontal vertical relationships is absolutely amazing. Amazing. I said to Jeremy, I mean, I got, I got goosebumps. I was like, this is brilliant. So I was very, very excited about the fact that, you know, God always creates new things. He always gives us new insights, new understandings. And, and so we really talked about this, this whole this, this, um, equation of knowledge Knowledge and truth, plus evidence, history, plus belief, gives us trust, gives us faith. And so we want to make sure that the knowledge that we have is, is based in truth, that nothing is impossible for God. With God, all things are possible. And God tells us his arm is not too short to save, that nothing is too hard for him. And these are amazing statements that God makes. And only God can really follow through with that. He's the one that is able to make these statements because he is able to follow through with them. And so I know many times in my head that these things are true. I read about miracles that God has done. I've seen God do miracles in my own life. And it still is difficult sometimes to have that faith that I need. So I'm still presented with this dilemma, this enduring chronic issue in my life. And I question God all over again, as if I have no history with him. I I say to myself, where is my faith? And so that's what we are really talking about is history. This is why God gives us so much history. So we want to think about this idea that when we try to believe those above statements, we're trying to muster up or will ourselves to have faith in God for what, he, what we need. And so where does our faith come from? Is it a feeling? Is it an action? Is it simply thought, knowledge? So God in his mercy gives us those above variables as a way to support and strengthen our faith so that it is unshakable and enduring. So when we, when we put all these together, we really get this idea of trust. And so the trust is, do I trust who he says he is? 
because of what he's done. And so I then trust him when it doesn't make sense. Because you see, I either trust him or I don't. And we talked so much about this idea of, you know, God continuing to prove himself and how, how many times does he have to prove himself to us before we're willing to trust him? Before we're really, really willing to stand firm on what may feel like unshakable, like, like ground that is, is, um, oh, what am I trying to say? You know, when you're feeling like things are unsteady or unstable, and are we willing to really believe and trust a God that gives us a platform that is unshakable, even though inside of us, we might feel unsteady? Where does our steadiness come from? So I either trust him or I don't. I know who he is. I have good history with him. So I believe in who he is, even when it doesn't make sense. And I know I can trust him. So I have faith that he will do what he says he will and that he can do what he claims to, to do. He's able to do these things. And he continues to prove himself to me. And one of the greatest ways I can honor him is I trust him. And we talked about that Monday and Tuesday, that, that the greatest compliment I can give to God is my trust. That I trust him. I trust him when I don't see the future. I trust him when I don't see the solution. I trust him when I don't have the answer. I trust him when my sin feels so great that it seems like my sin would cause God to abandon me or, or to let harm come to me or to let me have what I deserve. I mean, if, you know, if God just gave me what I deserved, I wouldn't be sitting here at this microphone talking to you. So God is very trustworthy. And when I put all that together, it produces faith. And that gives me hope for the impossible. And so I love this verse. This is Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith. Moses, Isaac, and Jacob, and Noah. See, what we are seeing is that faith needs to be more than just our will and our knowledge. It's relational. Trust and knowledge and history and belief are necessary components within any intimate relationship. So that does go horizontal. In order to have faith in someone, I need to trust them. I have knowledge of who they are. I have history with them. And I believe that they are who they purport to be, even when their actions don't line up with who they are. I wish that we could always be consistent, congruent people. That's who our Lord is, though. He's always consistent. He's always congruent. He's always dependable. He's always trustworthy. I wish we were the, I, I wish we were that, but we are not. And so we give each other mercy. And so God's grace and mercy supersedes a lack in any of these areas. 
And so we talked about this idea in Mark chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, when Jesus rhetorically says to the gentleman, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. So what we say to ourselves is nothing is impossible for God, even my unbelief. Even if I'm lacking faith and belief in God, that's even not impossible for God. God can still overcome my unbelief. He can still overcome my lack of faith, my lack of trust. In 2 Timothy verse 2, chapter 2, verse 13, it says, If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. So what we are seeing is the way to increase, strengthen, and support our faith. It is to focus on my relationship. The best way to increase my faith is to work on my relationship with God. To trust my relationship with God. To trust that he works harder on his relationship with me than I could ever work on my relationship with him. That he is far more committed to me than I am to him. He's far more just and honest, trustworthy, dependable, committed than I could ever be. So Matthew chapter 18 verse 3 says, Truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And there's, there's other verses that talk about humble ourselves. It's becoming a little child which exhibits trust. It's openness and eagerness to learn. So when I am willing to be the younger part of me with God and not question everything, and not analyze everything, and strategize everything, and judge everything. When I'm willing to do that, my faith increases. Because I become like a little child. I become humble. I, I recognize he's my parent. And without him, I would perish. Just like little children, if they don't have parents, they, they, they're going to perish. And so when I recognize that I'm always seven years old with God, I say this to clients all the time because seven years old is when the brain um, actually crosses over. We, we have the right side of the brain, which is where the amygdala lies, and we've talked about this before. That's the fight, flight, or freeze. And up until the age of six, we're only in the right side of our brain, which is present all the time. So a, a little child under the age of six has no future has no past, only is present. This is why when we time them out, we give it a minute for every year of their life. So if they're four, we give them a four-minute timeout. Because to somebody under the age of six, one minute is interminable. It's forever. They can't conceive of the future. So at about the age six to seven, we cross the corpus callosum, that superhighway between the two hemispheres, and we all of a sudden have reason and logic. And this is why every seven-year-old 
says to their parents, oh, my gosh, you know, is it is it really possible that Santa Claus is real? How does he come to that many houses in one night? And all of a sudden, there's reason and logic in that seven-year-old brain, and this is why we can't, with six-year-olds and five-year-olds, we can't talk them out of the monster under the bed. We just comfort them. But seven, seven years old, they're able to have some reason and logic. So when we think about being seven years old with God, I have enough reason and logic in my brain to understand God in some ways, to have volition, to be responsible for my own behavior. But I'm young enough to really believe and have faith in a bigger thing than me. That I believe in God the way I believed in my parents. And I'm willing to let myself depend. Even though I'm beginning to understand much more than I did when I was four or five. So just as a child asks his father for what he needs or wants, we are to ask our father, who is our friend, for what we need and want. The child has faith in his parents' ability to supply and perform and to provide. So if you're a parent, you want your child to ask. You want to be involved in their life. So just as a parent, you may not answer every question or respond to every request the child has or every want that they have. So our Father in Heaven is that much more loving and wise as he hears our requests. And just because he says no or he says wait doesn't mean he's unable or unwanting. So we want to follow the example of Jesus, the son who says to his father in Mark chapter 14, verses 34 through 36, he says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, Stay here and keep watch. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. He had implicit trust in his Father. He knew what was happening. He knew what was coming. And he said, everything is possible. Take this cup from me. And the next sentence he says, yet, not what I will, but you will. He trusted his father. No matter what he had to go through, he trusted his father. And so what are you hoping for? What are you discouraged about? Because Whatever it is you continue to ask and God seems to not hear or care. Or do you feel condemned because of your unbelief? Are you judging yourself because of your own sin? The sin you can't seem to overcome, the recurring sin that keeps happening. Have you let yourself down? So you're having no faith in yourself. Well, I mean, I certainly know what that feels like. This is where our belief, 
our faith is paramount. This is where the enemy wants to steal from us. Because the enemy wants to cause us to feel that we are all alone in our sin, that we are all alone in our circumstance, that there is no solution, and that God has abandoned us. He never abandons the work of his hands. Never. The most amazing thing about God is that he knew every moment, every second of your life before it ever even occurred. And he made provision for it. And he is in, in it with you. Even if you can't see him, even if you can't feel him, even if you don't know where he's at and can't hear from him. Our faith tells us, our belief, our history with God tells us that he will never leave us, never forsake us, that we are not to be afraid nor discouraged. So let's start over today as his children, whom he loves so deeply, so passionately, so completely, that it's incomprehensible, that we are not to try to understand. See, the hardest thing about growing up and being an adult is that we want to get all of our peace through understanding. And that's not where peace comes. It's peace without understanding. Because it's faith. It's believing who God says he is, not who we're trying to understand. And so we're not able to understand how could we comprehend a God how could we comprehend a God, a God that created the universe? How could we possibly, in our, in our intellect, comprehend that God? But yet our arrogance many times wants, wants to do that because that makes us feel like we have some control over something. So it's really important that we look back for the evidence and use that to strengthen us, to remind ourselves of who you know, who we know God is, even if it's hard to believe. And I oftentimes will say to God, you know, I, I'm sorry that I have to depend on my history with you. I wish that I just could believe in you. And I didn't have to use all the history I have with you to bolster up my faith. But I do. I do sometimes. And I'm thankful that God is not offended by that. That no matter what he's done in my life, no matter how many good things, no matter how many times he's shown up, I still doubt. And I'm very thankful that he's not offended by that. So you want to remind yourself he is bigger than your unbelief. So stop trying to muster up enough faith. Just simply believe in your relationship. Your relationship to him through Christ and that you do know Christ, and you've met Christ. Even when we think we're, we're abandoned, even in the darkest nights of our souls, we want to remind ourselves that Christ didn't die in vain. He didn't die because he thought that we would somehow become people that were not sinners. He died for sinners. He died because we needed his redemption. So you can't shock God. You can't surprise God. 
That's one of the most amazing things I realized about God. He's never shocked or surprised, <laughs> either by the good things I do or the bad things that I do. He already knew them. He knows me. And he died for me, knowing who I was and knowing all the little traverses and, and transitions I would have in my life. He knew all the successes. He knew all the failures I would have, and he died for me. So he didn't die for me hoping I'd be somebody that he was hoping I would be. He died for me because I needed him to be the person he wanted me to be. So you want to think about the fact that the relationship piece is the most important part of this process. If you don't like your relationship with God, just simply tell him. Seriously, he, he can handle everything. Just tell him. The best thing that you could do is be honest with God because he already knows your heart. He already hears your mind. He already knows the truth anyways. So you might as well just tell him. You might as well just say, God, I'm not happy with this life that I have. I'm not happy with how you're handling me. I don't like how I feel with you. I'm not happy with our relationship. He can handle that. In fact, he would rather you talk to him negatively than not talk to him at all. So he wants all of you, even if it's the parts that are unattractive and yucky. I mean, didn't you and don't you want all the parts of your children? Ask any human parent that has lost a child. They would love to have any piece of that child back, any piece they could get. They would take anything if it was their child. So where do you think that kind of love and devotion comes from? It's straight from the heart of God. That feeling of being a parent, and if you're not a parent, if you don't have your own biological children, you have friends. Maybe you have pets. I mean, what would you do for your pet, right? They depend on you. They love you. You love them, even if they're difficult. And so I've seen God do the impossible. And he continues to make great history for me. So I believe. And when my faith is faltering, I'm not going to try and will myself or convince myself. I'm just going to go back to what makes my faith. I'm going to go back to my relationship with God. I'm a child of God, and I remind myself that he is truly my father. And what is the truth I know about God? What is the history that I have? Especially, personally, when he has met me at my darkest, deepest, most horrible hour of my life. When I have done things that I felt like were unforgivable and he still forgave me. That's the God I can trust in. I can have faith in him. I don't have to have faith in myself all the time. I can have faith in God. He loves you. He loves you. He wanted you. He created you for a reason. He's very happy that he made you. And regardless of whatever it is that's going on in your life, he's committed to you 100%. Nothing is impossible for him. Not even you. And I love that. I love it when I think about that. So have a great rest of your day. 
Remind yourself nothing's impossible for God. Believe, believe for the best. God bless you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. We will finish this up. And have a great day. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.